This past Sunday is probably my favorite Sunday of the year. It's my favorite because typically in our traditions, we, all, we typically do communion at the first of the month. Not every, not all the time, but typically. And it's this collision of Christmas and Easter combining together. And it's my favorite time. And this is my, one of my favorite things to talk about, um, Advent and Christmas. It's my favorite. It holds a great deal of meaning for me. Now, Advent, the season of Advent, is the four Sundays prior to Christmas. And it's this Christian expression of remembering and anticipating. Anticipating the, the birth of Jesus and the anticipating of his coming again. And it's this beautiful place of anticipation and remembering. Who would use the word Advent in your regular life with your family talking about Advent in this season? Okay. How many of you would talk more about Christmas? And that would be the language that's used. Yeah. Yeah. There's, we, we use both, both of these words interchangeably about this time. Um, and usually when we're using the words Advent and Christmas, with Advent, we usually use other words. And we talk usually about um, words like hope and love, and joy, and peace, and often churches, or maybe in your homes, you'll have candles that represent hope, and peace, and love, and joy, and you light them, and it's the beautiful wreath, and it's lovely, and we have these things that we have, and it's lovely. Well, during this season, while people might be lighting candles and putting up Christmas trees, some of us, our hearts like flutter and get really, really excited about Christmas and other people, your hearts sink because it's a season of pain and, um, and even dread. And this is a season that's a real mixed bag. And that's partly why I like, like it too. Because that's kind of life, isn't it? It's a real mixed bag, but there's hope in it all. And as we are, you know, there's lots of words that can be used about this season. There's words and feelings. And as we, you know, could address those, I would like to suggest today, and my hope for today, is that we could just spend a little bit of time to just simply treasure the Emmanuelness of Jesus in our hearts. We would ponder that in our hearts today. Now, treasuring and pondering is the recalling or making of memories. And I bet a ton of you, I bet you all have some sort of Advent or Christmas memories in your bank that you're just starting to pull up. Um, I've talked to a few people. Perhaps there's a memory about putting up the Christmas tree in your home. Anybody have memories that are attached to putting up the Christmas tree? Whether that's going and getting the Christmas tree and cutting it down and the smell of that and it's lovely, or maybe it's pulling it out from underneath the stairs and like <coughs> choking a little bit on the dust that's like, you know, embracing the tree. Memories are attached to that. Some of you might have memories or, or things like a, like a nativity scene. Does anybody have a nativity scene that you always pull out in your home? Yeah. 
We have these memories that are attached to Christmas or attached to Advent. Some of us sing particular songs. Is there anybody here that in your family you sort of circle up around the piano and somebody is starting to, yes, I see that hand. Wonderful. Yeah, and we start to sing those Christmas songs. I was recalling with my cousin a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, we were sharing Christmas memories and she and I spent a lot of our Christmases together. And I was thinking about the one Christmas that I realized that we were singing in my Aunt Darlene's living room around her piano. And I realized that, um, oh, oh, what's the song? Later on, they'll conspire. You know that song? I learned one year that it's conspire, not perspire. That's a Christmas memory that I have lodged, that every time I sing that song or hear it, I just think about people sweating. That's what I think of. Right? Like, perhaps you have, like, memories of, like, particular games that you play at Christmas time or during Advent. Like, does anybody have Balderdash as their holiday Christmas game? Because it is for my family. Yeah, it, we have all of these traditions. We have all of these traditions and memories. And what they do is they're memory holders, these traditions. They're memory holders. They're things that we can treasure because it, was, it meant something. It was important for us. Christmas traditions, as I've already explained, are really, really important to me. And I, I'm not quite sure why it's so, that it's so important to me, but it really, really is. Um, there's so much to it for me. It's almost like enough quickly. Like, it's a lot. But... Um, there's lots moving up to Christmas, but on Christmas Day, I wake up to the smell of turkey. I know. My mother, bless her soul, slow roasts the turkey on Christmas Eve, and it cooks through the night. So you wake up to the smell of turkey and stuffing. It's a blessing to your senses. Oh, my gosh. It's so wonderful. So that's how I wake up on Christmas morning. And we have, and I've done this for like 41, two years. Like it's been a, am I what, how old am I? One, 41. And we sit around the Christmas tree. We sit and we wait for everybody to wake up. And we wait for Glenn because he takes forever. And uh, we open up our stockings and we have Celine Dion playing in the background and we sit and we look at the tree and we look at all of the ornaments. And eventually we open up our stockings and then we read the Christmas story and we say a prayer together. And I don't know if there has been a year that we have not said that prayer with dry eyes. We always cry. For some reason, my family, we always cry when we have that time of prayer because it's so meaningful. But before we say the prayer and before we read the scriptures and before we open the stockings, when we're sitting at the tree, just looking at it, do you have this moment when you're looking at your tree, if you have a tree at home and you're looking at all the ornaments and they share, and the tree is almost like a memorial tree. It holds so many memories. Right? We look, at, we look at one of them and I think about, okay, well, there's the, the needlepoint 
ornament that I made for my mom when I was in Crusaders in grade three. Man, I can't believe she still has that, I think. And then I look over and I see another one that I made and I think, man, she needs to throw that sucker out. It's so butt ugly. (laughs) And then as we look and we're reflecting on the ornaments, we start to reflect on the other things of life as we're sitting by the tree We think, well, that was the year that grandma died. That was a tough one. And then we look at another one and we think, well, that was the year that Laura was born. And there were grandbabies now. How fun was that? And then we look at the next one and we think that was the really, really hard year. And then we look at the next one and we think, well, that was the year that, well, that that was the pandemic year. That ornament holds on to that one because we didn't even know if we were going to be able to get together. That was the year that we were all really sick. And that was the year that we went, we almost got stuck in the snow. We start to remember. Does anybody else do this? Where you look at the, the ornaments, you just start to remember all of the things. And this is what we would do. And we look and we remember every single year, the same memories every single year. And my mom and my dad, like, it's so funny. We take our same spots. Do you guys sit in the same spots? Anybody else? We sit in the same spots, right? My dad is on the right-hand side or the left-hand side of the couch. My mom is sitting on the left, right-hand side of the couch. And the Bible sits in between them, which seems poetic and funny to me. But it sits between them. And it is a Bible that my dad bought before he even knew my mom. It was the Bible that he wanted his family Bible to be. And it comes out one time a year at Christmas. We have to dust it. And it looks a lot like this. And as we're remembering all of the things from this memorial tree that sits in my parents' living room, eventually my dad puts his hand on the Bible and says, man, it's been a good year. The Lord is so good. And that's what he does. He chokes on his words. In all the good and in all of the bad, the Lord is good. And that's how we start Christmas. And then we open Luke 2. And we remember together how it all began. Well, not all began, but where it began. So Luke 2. And it came to pass. In those days, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all should be taxed. And this taxing was, the, was first when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were some in the countryside, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, 
the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto us, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel and multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad saying, which was told to them concerning this child. And all that they had heard, it wondered all those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising to God, praising the Lord for all the things that had heard, that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your arrival and all the many, many things that that means. Amen. I love this text. I love it so much. Because this is not the cheesy made-for-Christmas movie. Christmas, right? Like, it's not the made-for-TV movie stuff. This is not some tinselized Christmas. This is not some commercialized Christmas. This is not that scene. It is a mess. It is full of mystery, and it is full of the seemingly wrong people, and it is hard, and it is scary, and it is wonderful, and it is loud, and it is quiet, and it was treasured by Mary. Treasured by Mary. I've been thinking a lot about Mary these days, this woman who is launched into adulthood by virtue of living out her calling to be the mother of the savior of the world. She doesn't get to stay in the bliss of that angelic conversation, that divine conversation that she had where she was told that the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her. She doesn't get to stay in that bliss. She doesn't get to hunker down with the God vibes of that conversation where she pledged that she would be the Lord's servant. Eventually, the spiritual high of that divine, angelic announcement leads her to actually live out her calling in a very, very difficult time. She has to make her way with her husband to the city of David, to Bethlehem. They didn't get to have the wedding that they would have planned. They didn't get to have that. 
She has to now go at a very inconvenient time. She was great with child and now she has to have, now she needs to travel. They're getting ready for a baby and they have to pay taxes. How inconvenient. She doesn't get to have her family there to celebrate. She has these strangers who just show up. How inconvenient. She doesn't get to know what's ahead. But it says that she would that she treasures. She treasures all of these things. She doesn't know what it means to be a mother. This is her firstborn. So she's got that, you know, new mumness going on. But she doesn't know what it means to be the mother of the Savior. Talk about, that's a big, tall calling. Oh my gosh, that's so difficult. But that's the rub of divine encounters, isn't it? That's the rub. The announcement that you're going to grow, living in your calling and the process of growth is always uneasy. Growth is never easy. Never. Ask Mary. Like, her life is crazy. You know, many of you, many of us, we had some pretty divine encounters this year. God has met you here, perhaps in this room. God has met you in prayer rooms. God has met you in your room. You've had divine encounters, beautiful conversations that has led you to say very similar things like Mary. I pledge to you to be the Lord. I will be the Lord's servant. Lord, whatever you want of me, I'll do it. We've said those things, have we not? Well, sort of like Mary and probably every single person who's had a divine encounter with the Lord, we don't get to stay in that bliss. <laughs> we have to live out our calling. Just like everybody in this story, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, they have to trust in the goodness of God in an uneasy situation. Now we know, obviously, we've got the we've got the teeny tiny little statues, including the, you know, including the wise men. They came along a couple of years later, but we'll just include them in. Like we know how the story goes, but Mary doesn't. Mary doesn't know what's gonna happen. Now she has this very, very special knowledge of what it is to house the divine within her very being to let the divine grow in her body. She has that knowledge, but she has no idea what's to come. No clue. It's a difficult season, and yet she chooses to ponder. She chooses to treasure. She remembers all the things, it says. She treasures all the things. Right? There's no tinsel where they're at. There's no perfect gift other than Jesus. There's nothing. She's, she's now treasuring the joy that's in the journey. She's treasuring the calling and the conflict. She's treasuring the preciousness of the pain that she's just experienced in childbirth. She's treasuring that special knowledge that she has, but not knowing what's ahead. She treasures it all 
and remembers. And at this point in the season, this is what we're sort of called to. This is the collision of remembering. This particular season, it's this wonderful collision of remembering. Yes, we remember Jesus at Christmas. Yes, we remember Jesus on the cross. But we are also called to remember our calling. Remember our calling to remember all the longings and the ache in that longing, to remember the pain in your growing, to remember the provision in your journey, to remember God's presence in your difficulty, all the gifts that are found in the strangers that are now friends of yours, but they were strangers but four months ago the gifts that God has given you. The point of this season, yes, we're anticipating and remembering, but it's not just about events. It's not just about the Christmas event. And it's not just about the Easter event. It's about every single day remembering, treasuring, pondering in our hearts, that Jesus has shown up again every single day since the day that he has been born. Jesus has been showing up in people's lives and Jesus has been showing up in your life every single day. It's amazing. It's so wonderful. And so this is what we get to do at Christmas. Caleb, if you want to come up, at Christmas, we have the ornaments right? We have the ornaments. We have the nativity scene. We have the candles. We have the traditions. And all of these things are memory holders, right? Because Christmas isn't about ornaments, and it's not about a fake Christmas tree, and it's, or whether it's a real Christmas tree, right? These are all memory holders. And so as we spend time today thinking about Advent, thinking about Christmas. Let's do it sort of like Mary, treasuring all the things, all the things. But let's also remember, like Jesus, because he showed us how to. Mary showed us how to treasure, and so did Jesus. And that Last Supper... So it seems fitting that we would take time to think about Jesus and his birth and his death and resurrection together and treasure what he's done in our lives. So this is what I'd love for us to do. I'm going to invite you to stand. And then I'm going to invite you to just take a moment and start to ponder, start to treasure the things, all the things, the good things, the tough things that have either happened in your life this year or have happened throughout your life until this point. Think about where God has showed up in your life. And then, As an act of remembering 
why don't you come forward? Grab a cup of juice, a memory holder, grab a cookie, or not a cookie, goodness, what are we doing? A cracker as a memory holder, and we'll take it together and we'll remember together. So I invite you, the table is open, to treasure and ponder in your heart all that God has done. traditional. We do it every once a month. But these are memory holders. They help us to treasure the things that are in our heart, to ponder the things that are in our heart, all the things, right? All the things. And the beauty that is found in all the things that God has shown up. Again, God has shown up. I love that God is so um, is is so about us holding on and remembering. He's so about this. He makes so many. Um, he creates so many options and and opportunities for us to remember. Mary treasured. Jesus created a space for his disciples to treasure for us to treasure. And. 
this practice kept on going and so we get to have this wonderful practice again. And so in 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds us of Jesus' time with the disciples. He says that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he, ate, when he gave thanks, then he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this cracker as a reminder of Christ's body for us. And then it says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. says for whenever you eat this bread and drink of this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again it's the beauty of Jesus we get to treasure all that it means for his arrival as a baby and we get to treasure all that it means in his death and resurrection And we get to treasure all of those things as we anticipate his coming again. How wonderful that God has created spaces, memory holders, for us to hold on to while we wait for him. Lord, we thank you. It's been a good year. God, you are good. We thank you that you chose to arrive as a human being in the most vulnerable form as a baby. I thank you that you lived your life holy, pleasing, so that we could model our lives after you. We thank you for your sacrifice in taking on our sins so that we would be redeemed, reconciled to you. And we thank you that you rose again and that you are coming again to reconcile us in such an incredible and glorious way. Lord, we thank you. Lord, as we remember, as we treasure the things of God, we worship you this morning.